You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. And yes, I am your host, Rick Franzi. And boy, do we have a good show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Fair question. Addison Adams, who's the founder of Adams Corporate Law, is our guest. Addison, welcome to the program. Well, Rick, thank you very much. It sure is a pleasure to be here, a privilege and an honor. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. You and I go way back. I loved being in your group years ago and appreciate all the insights and help you've given me over the years. So so here I am. Let's get started. Yeah. So let's go back in time to the original inspiration or maybe motivation that you had to go out on your own as an entrepreneur and start your corporate law firm. Absolutely. So I started my current firm eight years ago, and I've been a lawyer almost 30 years. And I started my firm because I saw a market opportunity, which is high level, high sophistication legal services for the middle and small market. And so um, I've been by by training a uh, securities attorney, closing venture capital transactions, um, an M&A attorney, buying and selling businesses and doing reverse mergers and uh, taking companies public. And now my focus is mostly on sell side M&A um, for California businesses. So eight years to now, you know, I like to ask founders if you had any kind of early stage pivots or changes in direction over the arc of how the company has has evolved. Have there been any have you did you have any pivots to the business model from when you launched? Yeah, you know, I would say I, I have. Um, it's become a little more focused and that's because my passion is in closing deals. Mm -hmm. And the, the, when I first started, it was a little more broad based, always been an outside general counsel practice. My firm is focused on uh, primarily writing contracts and negotiating deals. And that's still what we do, but the, what's fun, what's the most fun for me is buying and selling businesses closing financings, having a deal, even a, a, an important um, strategic partnership for a, for, an, for a big company, getting that signed, getting it inked, that's what feels good. So that is the pivot that I made was to get even more laser focused on closing deals. And if you look me up online, you'll see I'm the lawyer that closes deals. There you go. That's good branding. And that's got to be that's nice that you can vicariously enjoy the euphoria that the seller or maybe the buyer has too by helping to structure the deal. But let's let's get into the what it is, who you serve. Let's be a little more fine, put a finer point on what you do. Who do you help and why are they picking Addison, Addison Corporate Law? Sure. Well, we work with business owners directly and with the top level C-suite uh, team around them. And it's from any size company that's really from the lower end, a small company, up into several hundred million in annual revenue. And so, but most of them are in the sort of, I don't know, five to a hundred million dollar range. 
Mm. And um, as well as some startups. And so um, they're looking for us because we bring the experience and wisdom, the good judgment of how to get their goals accomplished rather than just, you know, we, we pride ourselves on separating the difference between the, the deal points that you need to negotiate and the deal points that could just get in the way of getting the deal done. And we know that business owners are here to, to, to make money. They're here to grow their business. And this is what I love about, um, about the area of law that I'm in, which is that if you're doing it right, it's a win-win for both sides. And so I'm very much focused on making sure that my client wins, but also both sides should win. There should be a money-making situation. And so what you get with, with me and my firm is the right focus and also the right price because we are at a sort of a mid-tier price structure and um, yet we're bringing every level of sophistication that you would get from a lawyer charging $1,500 an hour. Mm -hmm. And so we have all the skills, but the, the value proposition is definitely there. And that works a lot better for companies that are at the lower end of the size scale. Um, you know, when you're, when you're uh, like a meta or a Google, have, <laughs> uh, you know, a little extra budget there. But when you're on your way up the ladder, then it's more important to to count your pennies and make sure you get the most out of your dollar. So, and that's what we're here to do. and earlier, sorry, but earlier you said you you're focused really on the sell side. Yes. So mostly we have a couple of buy side engagements going now, but we generally have more sell side engagements happening than buy side engagements. So yes. this is tell me if this is a true statement that the business owner, the selling of the business from a business owner's perspective is more than a financial transaction. It's an emotional transaction. Usually, yes. And so every seller is a little different, but most sellers have grown this business their whole career and they've, you know, 30 years, 40 years plus. And it's the only time they're selling their business. This is a one and done mm -hmm. <laughs> type thing. Now, there are such a thing as serial entrepreneurs. Right. Um, and they have maybe less emotions, but just as much excitement. Um, but yes, so for the, for the retiring owner that's selling, it's very emotional. And, and it's not always just money. Um, there's things like legacy and the employee team and making right. sure everyone's taken care of. Um, so these are, these are all definitely part of the equation. Absolutely. I, I have a belief that says we don't do well what we don't do often. And so I'm imagining on the sell side, you maybe have a business owner who, to your example, has grown the business over several decades. This may be the one time they get a chance to monetize that. But maybe on the purchasing side, you have a more sophisticated or at least experienced buyer who probably then also has legal counsel who's used to doing these transactions. It feels like by working with you tell me by working with you with your level of expertise are you able to maybe level the playing field a bit between buyer and seller as well in the negotiations to make sure that the seller is properly represented in that transaction a hundred percent i consider myself a trail guide so part of my job is to just explain what's coming explain why the buyer is asking for certain provisions explain just the process and also explain um, 
what matters to the seller, and it very much levels the playing field. So on, on the buy side, the buyers are um, looking to win here. They're looking to <laughs> pay a reasonable price, and they want to get a good company. And they want to make sure that they don't get tricked. Um, they don't, you know, step into a pile, you know, a mess. <laughs> and so, um, and so, just understanding um, what their fear is as far as buying, you know, spending millions of dollars buying a business that they don't know. They haven't been running it for thirty years, so they don't know what they don't know. And so we go. That's why they go through this whole diligence process asking every possible question, they're trying to get up to speed. And every business owner does their best to run their business as best they can, but there's also corners get cut because it's a practical approach. It's the right thing to do. You can't necessarily you know, do everything perfect all the time. Um, and so navigating that balance between um, cleaning up what needs to be cleaned up, of course, minimizing any exposure to the buyer, and most importantly, giving comfort to the buyer that the seller knows their business inside and out. They've, they've, and they're able and are actually being transparent and sharing with the buyer what it is, the good and the bad, um, because there's, you know, there's a lot of good here. And, and so uh, that's why the buyer's interested. And so laying it all out there and, and presenting it in the right way in a proper package, negotiating the right points without getting anybody nervous. You know, this is the goal. The buyer wants to buy, the seller wants to sell. And, um, and I'm here to help facilitate get to the closing um, without either side getting cold feet. So I had one of my ref uh forums peer groups this morning and the con the conversation was around capital markets vcs funding and there's a feeling that this year has been tight in the capital markets you know investment but i'm wondering from a middle market buying and selling mergers and acquisitions how is the market today is there a tell me how's the market today for middle market companies that want to be sold you know it is a strange market um it is all over the place Things really slowed down in the third quarter. They're picking back up in the fourth quarter, hmm. which doesn't make any sense. Why would it pick up? The interest rates are still high. There's right. still all kinds of things in the economy, yet it's picking up. And so um, there seems to be, I'm certainly as busy as I've ever been. Um, the last three years have been incredibly busy and it's ramping back up um, right now. And there's people sprinting to close by next month, you know, before year end and that kind of thing. And so. Um, I, from what I can tell, the indicators are continuing to look good. Um, you know, in, in one sense, it's been sort of, we've been, you know, disaster right around the corner ever since the pandemic started, maybe even before, right? We're waiting for this big recession. And so it's a lot of mixed indicators is what's going on. And yet the market's hanging in there and people are getting deals done. And that's just what the reality so with your deep experience in mergers and acquisitions, I have to ask you, have you have you seen kind of the secrets to success for, you know, getting them from the desire to sell to closing it? Are there some key things that you have seen that make that transaction successful? And if there are, would you share them? Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, the first thing I think that's most important is for 
the seller to know what's valuable about their business. And usually they do. Um, and so a lot of times it's your team, your employees. And so you want to make sure your key employees are, are not going to jump ship and that you've got them properly motivated to stick around. Sometimes it's your intellectual property and you need to make sure that you've gotten patent protection and things like that. Um, if you're, let's say, a manufacturing company, you need to have good um, systems and processes in place. Um, and so there's definitely um, a lot of preparation that can happen in the years that lead up. And it covers really all the bases. So I would say that the overriding theme is you need to have credibility. And in order to have credibility, you need to both tell the truth and know what the truth is. And in order to know what the truth is, you need to have solid books and records. You need to have contracts that have been signed and are organized and findable. You, you need to just, you know, you need to, um, you need to be in tune with your business so that when the buyer starts asking questions, you have answers. Um, so being ready with the right answers helps with that credibility to help give that comfort, you know, because if they run into one area and, and you give answers that are sort of shaky, it makes the buyer wonder, well, what's going on in these other areas, right? And so, um, so that's that. And you know, and if you talk to someone like yourself or any kind of exit coach advisor, there's a lot you can do to your business as far as client concentration, as far as you can get audited financials if that's you know important. Um, and so, yeah. But where I started was each buyer, each seller. You know, there's a usually a different reason for the purchase. Um, and so a lot of, you know, excuse me, a strategic investor coming in, let's say from out of state and they want to have a presence in California. Um, now, you know, that what's valuable to you, to them is your, all your customers in California, your team, your facility, you, you've, it's like a turnkey solution. All they have to do is buy your business. And, um, and then in other companies, you know, it may be, have less, you know, interest. So if your buyer is another California company down the street, maybe they're going to close down your facility and combine into their facility and pick and choose some of your employees. And so there's, you know, different ways to look at that. And, you know, I think it's a good idea to plan ahead, try to, try to, you know, identify who your prospective buyers are, at least on the strategic side. Um, and of course, there's always the private equity, um, which is usually either making a platform purchase or they're going to add on to a, a portfolio company that they already have in order to expand, you know, some product line or some unique thing that would be complementary to what they already have. So taking a holistic view of your company and getting ready in advance, I think is, is one of the secrets, one of the secrets to success. And um, I guess another secret would be having, having the right advisors in your team. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because if you've got the wrong accountant or the wrong lawyer, for example, um, this can really hold you back because, because you don't answer the questions the right way. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the early, early stages when there's not a lot of invested time and energy in doing a deal. I'm wondering, there's, maybe this is an unfair question, in which case tell me it is, but from your experience. What's the average time from when a conversation begins and a deal closes? Is there a, a, a time frame that you see that a seller should expect this process to take? 
Yeah, I mean, normally it's three months. And okay. so I'm going to put a big asterisk on that, though. Okay, so you heard it here first. Because, because um, you know, we have we get hired all the time at the last minute where there's already been an LOI has been signed mm -hmm. and they've started diligence and then they realize their current <laughs> lawyer is not an expert in MA. <laughs> and so, you know, we come in and they say, Yeah, we're gonna close in one or two weeks from now. And it's <laughs> you know, and we say, Yes, of course, you know, we'll jump in, we can do what we can and uh, try and get that done. Um, but the normal process from signed LOI is is three months and that's normally what you'll see in an LOI is a three month exclusivity period you know a no shop clause so that you don't go soliciting better bids behind the buyer's back mm -hmm. um, three three months and that usually gets you know and that usually happens yeah it's um I've, I've talked, I work with a lot of business owners. Some of them have successfully exited their business. And when I asked you earlier about the emotion of it, it really, it, 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 it's an interesting thing because people start at some point in the transaction, my experience is they start to focus on the after the transaction, before the transaction has closed. You know what I mean? Sort of the, the seller starts to think about their life post transaction, maybe the what this capital and the influx of cash is going to do for their lifestyle. And they can get a little starry eyed. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's been your experience or not, but that can be a challenge a bit when you're trying to really make sure you negotiate the best deal. Yeah, no, it, it, the, you know, the funny thing is, I'm sure you know, this is that everybody's a little bit different. And uh -huh. so you get all kinds of different personalities. Um, some people are risk takers and some people are the opposite of risk takers. And, you know, so whether you have a warrior that's sort of going, you know, one day at a time, like, is everything going okay? Is, you know, this and that. Uh, or maybe I shouldn't sell because, you know, what if, you know, this is 0%, you know, um, I have a problem post-closing. So, yes, I would say that uh, keeping keeping the seller and, and, the, and the team sort of focused on, on the task at hand. Yes. And it's a process and there's usually little bumps along the way that something comes up that needs to be, you know, dealt with. And, and there's definitely a, you know, a certain amount of, of fear of the unknown um, at all times, you know, yeah. is this really going to happen? Is there going to be a last minute price reduction? Is the, you know, is the buyer going to not get their loan to fund the person, you know, depending on the particular buyer, you know, and the seller, there's just, there's just a lot, you know, it's not done until it's done. And I think right. you know, we're all very familiar with that. You wait till the money hits your account before you <laughs> count it good. <laughs> so. so so you might just have given the answer to my next question, but that was a piece of business advice that either you give to people in the transaction world or maybe that you were given as a young pup and that you've, you've kind of leaned on. But do you have a piece of advice that you could share with my audience today? Yeah, you know, um, so when it comes to being a you know professional like an attorney, any kind of someone that's selling their services, marketing is a, a important part of it. And um, a friend of mine, Chris Kramer, made a comment once that I just thought it was humorous. He said, um, "If you have time for marketing, it's too late." Mm. And that comment landed with me because we're all so busy all the time. And so making time to write an article, to have a 
public interview like this one, when you, you know, when your dance card is full, um, it takes some time. So it, uh, being a little more serious though, um, you know, the one that I think gets, you know, it's, it's not like a insight, but it's, um, if you want to succeed, work hard, you know, when, when the time, when the times get tough, you, 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 you work harder and get through it. You know, you go into sort of shift gears into something that's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work longer days and business owners know this, right? Because business, starting a business, building it, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And there's times when there's headwinds and it can be discouraging. And the right response to that is, in addition to staying healthy and getting good night's sleep and all those things, the right response is buckle down mm -hmm. and make it happen and be courageous. Yeah, be courageous. Thank so. Thanks, Addison. I'm wondering, uh, we've introduced this question this year, 2023, to the guests, which is on artificial intelligence, just because it's in the zeitgeist now. It's out in the ether with chat, GPT, and other platforms. I'm wondering, from your perspective in your industry, for what you do, how do you see AI... Uh, how do you see AI? So AI, I think, is really exciting. I've played around with the chat GPT. I've tested out, you know, what it can do as far as legal articles and documents and things like that. And it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, so far, it's early stages enough that you still have to read it all and make sure there's nothing completely crazy in there or wrong, you know, and for the most part, it's right. And now and then it's not right. And so um, where I come down on that is it's a potentially a very useful tool um, that's, you know, just like, just like the internet revolutionized legal research online um, and the word processor revolutionized drafting legal documents and starting from templates that are already fully drafted. And so we can be more efficient, just customizing them to, to meet the deal. I think AI is uh, not going to replace lawyers um at least or at least not in what what i'm working on the thing about lawyers is that we're very tailored very customized advice and so the client you know although there's a lot of similarities there's the client says here's what i'm trying to do and then the attorney has to translate that into what the client's trying to do from a legal point of view okay. and so there's definitely a question of of knowing the right questions to ask, knowing the right, the available levers to consider, um, you know, and, and how to, and if you say, like you can go to AI and say, oh, I need a distribution agreement. But before you, you know, you need to know you needed a distribution agreement before you went to AI and asked for one, <laughs> right? So, right. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm super excited and optimistic about um, getting increased productivity you know, getting more stuff done with less time using AI. I'm hopeful that that's the direction we're going. And hey, if it turns into um, completely automated legal advice, that's even better. Um, you know, I would love for that to, if I get made obsolete um, in my lifetime, um, you know, wonderful. Uh, I think, I, you know, I don't see it happening um, for the reason stated, but um you know, never say never. I suppose there's there, every industry has its you know has its potential inflection points of transitions. So. so you you led me right to my next question, which is about the future. 
assuming AI doesn't take you out completely, what is the what's the plan for Adams Corporate Law, Addison? Where do you see it going in the future? So in the last eight years, I've built a pretty good name for ourselves here and have a team of specialized attorneys working on mergers and acquisitions for uh, companies in the sort of one to $100 million deal size range, um, primarily in California. And that's where I'm going. Um, we have a location up in Oakland. We have our location in Orange County. Um, and we have half a dozen lawyers. And I see in the future, you know, that doubling. And but yet staying laser focused on um, buying and selling businesses. Well, that's congratulations on achieving that scale. And that's exciting to see your plans to double it. If someone would like to find you online or maybe find your firm online, where do you suggest they go? How do they do that? A great way to find me is my website, adamscorporatelaw.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn under my name. It's Addison Adams. So linkedin.com slash in slash Addison Adams. And my office phone number is 714-619-9360. Feel free to call anytime. I'd love to talk to any of your listeners and give a little free consultation, have a conversation about whether we could work together or if they just have some questions, happy to just share some of my knowledge. Well, thank you for that offer. And I appreciate, I know you're busy. I appreciate you giving a little bit of your time here today to talk with our audience and update us on your business. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. It's been a pleasure. Have a great day. I'd like to thank the audience. You've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. If you're an entrepreneur and you have a story to tell and you'd like to be a future guest on the show, then reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Coincidentally, that's our company's website, rickfranzi.com. Reach out to us and we can have a conversation and see if you're a fit for a future episode. Until we have a chance to be together again, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.